Hello, everyone, and thank you for the download. It's Thursday, August 31st, and this is episode 63 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Skipper Ben. What's up, Ben? What was Hopkins not available to record with you tonight? He was not. He was not. And actually also unavailable is Josh. He is actually <laughs> in the Netherlands right now. He's on a fact-finding mission trying to learn more about the Dutch so that we can prove on our ranking as the 222nd travel podcast in the Netherlands. He's the he's the Joe Rody of our show. He, he is, he, yeah. We sent him here. That's where all of our, our budget goes. Uh, and as part of this, he launched a new site called WoodenShoes.com. And in true Josh fashion, he spells it S-H-O-O-S. I so, love it. Get, there we get go. A, uh, be on the lookout for that. I actually looked at that. Don't go to that website. Uh, I'm <laughs> and, sure uh, it is riddled with spyware. <laughs> and I was joking about Hopkins. Hopkins, I've uh, I've enjoyed you on Park Cheese. Uh, it's been it's been great hearing you, buddy. So uh, keep up the good work. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep him around. <laughs> if he listens, he might not even listen to our show. Who knows? Screw anything. That. Anything positive to say about me on that show, or just just Hopkins? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have time. I'm gonna save your, I'll, I'll save the review of you on Park Cheese for our post show. <laughs> well, we have plenty of Disney news. Uh, not really. There ha- has there been any like meaningful Disney news in the better part of the last decade nine months? Yeah, I was going to say decade. Uh, there's, no. there's, pr- there's previews going on for Journey of Water. It looks to be about what we expected it to be. It'll be a fun, interactive thing. My favorite part about that so far is I can't wait until like a year after it opens and they've quit recalibrating the sensors oh, to make everything yeah. work. And so <laughs> it's just a complete dead zone. They just turn the water on and leave it on. Like that's the, pretty much the, what's going to happen. The maintenance on that thing is not going to going to last. It's uh I don't know, man. It's cute, whatever. It's not it's it's we none of us had high hopes for it, but it might be even a little bit less than what I expected. I, I don't know. Uh, it's it is not a needle mover. We'll just put it that way. We said a few episodes ago some information that we received that it's it's actually one entrance in, one entrance out. It's not like a, a throughway. And on the as as we often do on the show, we recap the Disney Dish po- the Disney Dish podcast. And Jim Shule talked about how Disney qualifies attractions. And because yeah. it is similar to like the animal walkthroughs at the Animal Kingdom, it is qualified as an attraction because it has an entrance and an exit that is the same area. It's not a place you can just kind of walk through, like, say, the Oasis exhibits, which is what I was originally envisioning this to be. But um, so we'll I, certainly I, check I'm, it out. I'm interested when it opens to view the exit area, the, the yep. end of the attraction. To see if there's enough space to turn that into a queue for a Moana meet and greet within two years when nobody's going to the regular version of it. So, because uh, <laughs> that's basically what it looks like is a queue. It's a wandering yeah. queue for something that leads to nowhere. So, yeah, it would not shock me for when nobody's passing through that thing to like, let's put Moana at the end and at least drag people through this to, to get to see her at the end. Yeah, make it make so there is an external queue for the attraction right now. But yes, make the attraction itself the queue for a meet and greet. That really wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't and at all. <laughs> there, there was something in one of the pieces of concept art that did look like a covered area where Moana would be greeting people. So <laughs> give it, give who, it who six months, knows? baby. <laughs> we'll just reorient it. I think it was on where the on the entrance side of it. Although I believe they're pretty much next to each other. That covered area is for the Hawaiian food <laughs> and wine fest booth, uh, and, and the the <laughs> journey of waters the queue for that booth. It's a really long line for the Kalua pork slider. I so, love those Kalua pork sliders. They are pretty damn good. They are like very, the meatball thing. <laughs> we, we eat plenty of those every time we're at Food and Wine. Yeah. Uh, you actually, we talked about this last episode. I have not yet seen it, but you saw the Haunted Mansion movie. 
not yeah. the Eddie Murphy one, the new one. What'd you think of it? I liked it quite a bit, to be honest with you. Okay. I don't know if my expectations were high. I think I saw enough from the trailers to realize they were going to pay homage to the attraction in many different ways. Okay. And, you know, there, there was going to be a fan service movie quite a bit. And That's what it and, sounded like it was. There was yeah, a lot of that. It was, but shockingly, I kind of enjoyed the story of it. I like the acting in it. I like the characters in it. Uh, I found it funny. I mean, it was a really good cast. You can't argue really with that. Good Anybody cast. that's yeah. going to critique it. No, great cast. really good cast. Uh, there were scares in it, uh, which okay. I liked. And it's weird watching this movie less than a year after the, or maybe it was a year. Yeah, of the, of the Muppets Haunted Mansion that was on Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah, okay. Because I thought that was done really well as well uh, and had a lot of fun with that. So there were instances in there where it seemed kind of similar in some some respects to some of the jokes or some of the scenes. And and actually, I'd love to see a behind the scenes of this film to see how much of this was done, maybe green screen and how much was maybe done with actually built physical sets, uh, because the Muppets movie was all green screen. Um, sure. and, and, and you can tell quite a bit on there. But. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I will go back and visit this one. Uh, you, you poked fun at the Eddie Murphy one, which I have not watched since I've seen it in the theater, I think. <laughs> I hated that film. Uh, there, there was no redeeming qualities about it whatsoever. This one, if you're a fan of the Haunted Mansion attraction, I think there's enough in this to keep you entertained that even if you don't love the story, you'll love the things that they did in the story and, and from the Donald chair <laughs> to the to, – uh, there's a ton in there that the, there's just little little pieces from the ride throughout the film that uh, was fun to follow along and watch. So I, I liked it, liked it quite a bit. And I'll definitely be watching this one again. I wonder when it actually hits Disney Plus. Haunted uh, well, Mansion the, Disney Plus. The timing of it is Halloween. Uh, yeah, that because would obviously that, make sense. That was the question. It's like, why would you release this in August in theaters? And because the timing makes it work with Halloween uh, for a Disney Plus drop. So. I uh, don't have too much longer to wait, I would bet. for, for Yeah, for, they, they just say October 23. There's probably a specific date, but what yeah. I found says October yeah. 23. And I'll, I, when it drops, I'll watch it again. It, it's a fantastic Halloween film, in my opinion. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I liked it. Uh, I, I don't know if we'll get more. <laughs> it didn't do great in the box office. Um, I think it will find its legs on uh, streaming, like a lot of films do. And it wouldn't shock me years from now that it has a little bit of a cult following behind it. So I, I, I do encourage anybody to see it that, that has not seen it yet. Setting aside the current uh, writers and actors strikes going on, the streaming as well as theatrical releases are in a very weird spot right now. We're mm -hmm. not telling tales out of school here. I don't know that Disney has quite figured out what they're going to do. Nobody and has. I think anything and everything is on the table. The the line that I, the, the explanation that I've kind of gone in is we're, we're deconstructing cable and then we're effectively just going to reconstruct it again, where yeah. all of these various streaming platforms are going to be compiled into one. You're going to have a company like a Comcast that will sell it all together as a package and you're effectively going to reestablish cable and call it something different that'll be streaming. But yeah. until such time that that happens, the uh, companies need to make a choice budget wise, what's going to be a theatrical release, what's going to be a streaming release. And I think Disney hasn't quite figured that out yet. I'm hoping at least in some cases that the, uh, the remakes, a lot of those things will become just streaming releases. Cause I don't think the, 
the money, the budget, the interest is there for those to be theatrical releases again. I think there's they're kind of uninspiring projects. And this is, it's not really, I, I mean, I haven't seen it. I don't know. I can't attest to its quality other than Ben's opinion of it. But I mean, you tell me, do you think this is something that should have just been a Disney Plus release by itself? So I'm a f- film goer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I am a uh, AMC A plus or A list uh, so, subscriber. So I. I pay for it. I love going to the theater. This does not fall in that category of something that did not have the quality to be in the theater. Okay. Th- this was without a doubt a theatrical release. I mean, so, so were Pixar I, movies four years ago, and now they're all well. And I, yeah, but I went and saw El- I saw Elemental, and I loved it, and. Part of me, I th- I don't know. I, I I'm old. I think school. they've just done irreparable ba- damage they to have. their brand with a lot of this stuff, which sucks. E- everybody has though. Yeah, I mean, fair. if it's not Barbie or Oppenheimer this summer, everything has struggled. Uh, remember, there was a time when Fast and the Furious movies were doing 1.5 billion dollars worldwide, and now you know they're they're barely. You know, it's fun saying they're barely or not even getting to a billion dollars, but that is a lot of money in a in a steep drop off with over a five year period. And the only when you look at what you and I are going to be spending that, later on in the show, it's not a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, but the only difference in that five year that can go to that drop off is is streaming, yeah, and what the companies did. I, it's weird. Like they panicked during the pandemic to put content out because sure. they couldn't put in the theaters. But at the same time right now, because of the writer's strike, there's a lot of delaying of content because one, they're going to run out of content, but also they, the stars of the films can't go out and promote the stuff that's going in the theater. So it's kind of a waste to put it in the theaters. Right. It's almost as if they had held off putting all this stuff out for free over that six months at the start of the pandemic. They'd be in a better spot right now because People were trained over those six months to get this stuff for a much cheaper price. And I mean, you've basically had two of those windows in a four year period. Yeah. Yeah. Which and is the, crushing to any industry. There's also something to be saying, said, though, for the theater side of it as well. You know, for me to take my family to go see the Haunted Mansion, I had my 1999 subscription for AMC, but then Lisa's ticket was nearly $20. And the girls were, you know, $13, $14 a piece. Then yep. you gotta get the popcorn. I mean, it's it's a seventy dollar deal to go to a film for an hour and a half. Yep. The value's not there either. When especially when I can pay what twenty bucks a month for Disney Plus and, and we can all sit around the TV and watch it at that price. So there's a lot of adjustments that have to come in this in the theatrical world, in the streaming world to get everything back on track because everybody is hurting right now. This is not a Disney only problem. Everybody's hurting from the way the distribution model is currently set up. I wasn't anticipating this being the topic of conversation, but it's going to be. So <laughs> uh, just I'm going to be old man grassy here for a minute. My sister texted me earlier this week asking for my HBO password. Uh, mm-hmm. Shocking, people, people share passwords. And I said, All right, I'll, I'll give you that <laughs> if you give me your Hulu password. Mm-hmm. And of course, us two incompetent people were trying to get both activated on our respective Apple TVs and could not do so. So yep. I, just, <laughs> I just sucked it up and ended up paying for Hulu. Excuse me, but we had uh, so when Disney Plus originally launched, they had a package for people that were at the expo. You get three years, you prepay it, and it was at a discounted rate from whatever it ended up being. We all and got access to that. Yeah, we everyone, that oh, that, that's right. <laughs> we, they, they like told us that it was special, and then everybody's yep. special if nobody's special. Thanks, Incredibles. <laughs> got it. So from that, then there was an option to pay for a year 
And that's what we ended up doing as well. So year four for us would end in November. And I looked at it and said, all right, well, why don't we just get Hulu now? Can we get our 20 bucks left for whatever we've done? And uh, went on an online chat with them. They said, yeah, sure, whatever. We'll upgrade you. And they said 20 bucks for the ad-free version that has Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN. And I also asked, are you going to have an option that's just ad-free of Disney Plus and Hulu? Because for new subscribers, that doesn't currently exist. And I was told that that would happen in October, and the price point would be $10. Not $10 per, but $10 total, uh-huh. which is the current price point for those two combined without ads right now. Uh-huh. So I don't know if I'm going to believe that, because I don't see it publicized anywhere. It was just what the individual that I was speaking with said. And there was an exhibition of incompetence earlier on in that conversation as well. But yeah. it's something where they recognize that they need to find the grouping of all this that works out. And I think a lot of this issue, a lot of the issue with Disney Plus is overseas where they had to have specialized content. Was it in India where they lost like the rights to a certain cricket Cricket. league or something? Oh, yeah. And that that cost them a ton of subscriptions. For me, for ESPN, like I'm a big sports fan. There's nothing really streaming wise that I'm looking for on ESPN. Like I maybe watch, I might watch a 30 for 30 here or there, but that's really for articles. Uh, yep. Like Playboy, I read it for the articles. And <laughs> I mean, that, that was the motivation behind tacking that onto it. But what, well, do you I, currently a, have all three or what? Yeah, I've got all three. Uh, and even on the ESPN side, I'm a, I'm a college sports fan. So, uh, oh, they made deals with that's all leagues. So 50% of the, uh, Big 12 uh, package, baseball, basketball, and usually one football game per team is on ESPN Plus. So it's for, for me, I have to have it to watch my teams. Um, Josh probably has it for bowling. And I have it for USC as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, Josh probably does have it for bowling and definitely for cornhole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, so I work for a cable network and it's it's I've been here from for 20 years and seeing the whole process of cable and the cord cutting and, and we're without a doubt going back to a cable bundle at some point because everybody that cut the cord also subscribed for a million different things. And if you add it all up, uh, you're probably, there's a really good chance you're paying more now than you were when you had everything just on, you know, your direct TV or Comcast and it was bundled together. Uh, and, and I mean, on the, from on the Comcast, f- I get Nesson, which is my local sports yep. network as a, as an add-on streaming option, HBO and Peacock. I know those ones definitively, and there's probably a couple more that we get yeah. as a result of just having that cable subscription. So we're not really that far off of it right now. Well, and so something like a Nesson, where they make the majority of their money is for is in uh, getting paid by the, the providers. So direct they cut a deal with DirecTV to carry their network for X number of years, and they get paid a certain dollar per subscriber Uh that has access we, we to the channel. We are losing listeners as we talk well, to you. So just, to, the Netherlands the fast, are pissed. The fast forward <laughs> on this, something like a Disney Plus, as they've launched their own deal, they've taken focus off of things like the Disney Channel, which yeah. has lost a lot of value on these networks. And course, yeah. when you become your own DirecTV and you've got to not only create the content, but you've also are the one now in charge of getting those subscribers, as opposed to getting literally blank checks from the people that are carrying your content every month. Uh, It becomes a major stress on your company. And that's what NBC universal is figuring out right now. It's what uh, time Warner is figuring out right now. It's what Disney's figuring out is when you become your own distributor, it sounds great at start at the start, but you know, when you're, when you're getting subscribers, you're getting all that money. But once those subscribers start coming off, that's literally dollars out of your pocket and it's becoming a burden on every single one of these companies. So the one that finally figures out that they need to go back and, you know, give Disney striking a deal, 
deal with Apple to say you're now the exclusive carrier of Disney Plus. Pay us a certain amount of money. You carry it. Now you're the ones that worried about the subscribers. We'll go back to just creating content and whether people are watching or not, it doesn't matter. So that's where they can really figure out their budgets for the content that they're creating a lot better uh, because they're getting a flat check from somebody else carrying their channel. Uh, that's why We're you're seeing not- all the cuts right now on them cutting back on the stuff that they're creating because the, the math's not working out. They're spending too much and not adding enough people for the stuff that they're spending on. We're not that far away from a decision having to be made on Hulu between the joint ownership with Comcast and Disney. And I wonder if that'll be the driver. But that is that's not the reason why people are listening to the show. Um, You sure? (laughs) um, I'm pretty sure. Okay. so we have a show topic that uh, Ben was very excited about. And I'm excited about it, too. It was Ben's idea. Uh, It's kind of it's (laughs) so if it sucks, it's Ben's fault. Thanks. Um, It was fueled, I guess, in part by the upcoming Destination D event, and then in part uh, because of Epic Universe. But uh, I'll start with Destination D, which is a D23 event that is taking place at Disney World uh, on September 9th and 10th. I guess there's some event on the 8th, but it's primarily September 9th and 10th. And on Saturday, September 9th at 9.15 a.m., Josh Tomorrow is leading a presentation called A Celebration of Disney Parks Experiences, Experiences and Products Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. There's a, a couple of other events that day, including D23 updates with Michael Vargo. And then at 4.20, you can get high and uh, go see Epcot, Always in a State of Becoming. <laughs> so those are the kind of the relevant ones that we're talking about here. And most notably, that first presentation from Josh Tomorrow, the, uh, the head of Parks and Resorts. I guess question one is, are you expecting anything of – this is too vague. Are you expecting any new attraction announcements at, at this event? As a great Major League Baseball owner once said, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me. F- fool me won't get fooled again. Uh, <laughs> I believe his, it was uh, asked was he, in it, business what his what his biggest regret was, and he said trading Sammy Sosa. We're talking about George W. By the way, uh, that's I I think I've fallen this fallen for this at least for the last two destination D's of thinking this they're going to do something and they never do ever at this event and uh, so we I'm also have the D twenty three Expo, which last year was remarkably disappointing, and that yeah, is usually yeah. where there are announcements. So, so my thought is they make up for that, but I'm not conv- I'm not going to get my hopes to. up. They're not going to. I, it's they're not being proactive on this whatsoever right now no. with what's what's coming up. Uh, it, I think it's also in a weird time period as well with the eventual transition of Bob Iger. It, you know, he just extended his roll another two years but and honestly in, the pissing match with DeSantis is a factor it absolutely absolutely is. absolutely um so yeah that's one thing you can't do is invest when you're having a <laughs> when you're trying to say what he's doing so terrible and blah 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 right, th- right. like you can't then go oh by the way we're going to invest in a, a ton of capital right now yeah here's but three I billion also, for the parks <laughs> i also don't know if Iger can do that knowing <laughs> We think he's going to hand over the reins to somebody else here soon. And, you know, 2026, he's got under contract for three more years. Can an outgoing CEO like that, you know, make a massive, massive play within the parks, knowing he's not going to be around for the end of it and for the financial 
burden or return of that. I don't know. But I mean, there's a little bit of that with Eisner. Like, didn't he yeah. sign the papers on Hong Kong and want to be there at the opening of it? And I guess Everest to a certain extent as well. Yeah. But I but mean, we, we also know at the speed that Disney builds anything right now <laughs> that seven years I, from now. Iger will not be here anywhere near this stuff. And, and without... Without having that next person in charge to kind of bounce this off of like, do we want to go in this direction? Yeah, I, it's kind of hard for me to see anything getting announced not anytime soon, let alone destination D. Um, I think they're crazy if they don't. They're they're really going to find themselves in a tough spot in two years, uh, and that's part of our project, the uh, show that we're going to do here in just a little bit that discusses that. But you know, it, it's a really weird time that that. They're going to be playing catch up and they have not played catch up in quite a while in Orlando. Yeah. And so this is the time for them to get to start and started to maybe counter that a little bit. I would love for it to happen. Um, I think there's stuff on the table that they could announce at this event, but I don't think they will. So the timing of this event is mildly interesting in as much as it is very close to the beginning of their fiscal, the, the end or the beginning yeah. of the fiscal year, depending on how you look at it, their fiscal year ends September 30th. Yeah. But uh, like Ben, my expectations are, are definitely low here. Historically, as far as I could tell, the biggest announcement at one of these things for like a new thing churros. was the festival of, <laughs> churros, uh, was the festival of fantasy parade, which isn't insignificant. The announcement of a new parade is something, but yeah, I mean, you can kind of just bullet point the obvious things, and it wouldn't surprise me if they don't even touch on these, like an opening date of Journey of Water and maybe the Figment meet and greet, uh, details on the Epcot fireworks show, things that have been already announced, like yeah. Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Like You can give details on that and fill out an hour-long presentation. They can milk that. We've seen that before. But, I mean, other things that are currently in the works, like updates on Communicore Hall and the rest of World Celebration, I would be very surprised if they go in on the Animal Kingdom announcements. That's the most logical thing for them to announce if they're yep. going to officially yep. say something. But they could hit on Lighthouse Point and they're the Disney talk Treasure. About, they're going to talk about Moana. They, they will. <laughs> That's the, it. the thing that <laughs> could be intriguing here or uh, something that just pisses us off even more, is maybe an update on the evolution of Genie Plus, because they did say that's coming in January, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that yeah. that's a possibility. That's and a waste then, of time if that's done during this. I, I, I mean, <laughs> but it, it, if it's if it's bad news, then they won't do it. They'll just save that for a blog post. And that's, that's what our complaint has been. Like, half of this stuff can be blog posts. You know what yeah, their but, problem with this, though, is? Uh, and they did this to themselves. What's the name of the tomorrow presentation again? Say it out loud. <laughs> a celebration of Disney parks experiences and products yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Leave tomorrow out of it. Like they, they did this to themselves. They did this to yeah. themselves though. They're they gonna, can't help themselves. The audience is going to build up hope. This is it. This is it. This is it. And if they're not going to actually do it, then, then this is on you guys. When people are pissed off that afternoon, the next day that you didn't announce anything, it's because of what you guys put in the title of this presentation, and you know what this <laughs> fan base and this audience is going to think for the next month going into it. Tr- totally, like leave that out of it, and it don't won't. put don't put future in it. Just say a celebration of the parks, and that's it. And you know, you can at that point you can talk about whatever you want, but at this point right now, people are expecting for you guys to announce something and so and talk about the actual something future that we haven't seen already. Something that's meaningful, something that makes up for what y'all didn't announce at D23, but uh, you guys are going to walk away with another L. Fast forward 12 months from now, and Jim and Len, or uh, 
Jim is talking about all the stuff that they pulled last minute from this presentation. Yeah, where we, yeah. uh, we had three attractions coming to the Animal Kingdom, and they were going to build the Villain's Land and the Magic Kingdom. And, uh, seven new cruise ships. All of that was going to be announced. But anyway, so, I mean, expectations are low. I don't know if they're going to do a live stream of this. They did for the D23 Expo. I'll probably watch it uh, if there's a live yeah. stream, and I'll probably be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to it? No, I'm not. I couldn't get my $900 tickets for this one. But anyway, let's let's move away from that. Uh, if there is anything uh, of note, we will probably do a show shortly after well, that happens. Wait. Nah. Uh, well, again, it has to be of note. So if we'll Josh talk is to you back in, from the Netherlands, we'll talk to you in October. It'll be in Dutch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? This is this is going to be relevant for multiple reasons as we go through the show. I'm sure you've already mentioned Barbie, and I mentioned the Netherlands. There is a version of Barbie Girl uh, in Dutch that I used to have on my uh, computer in college that is quite funny. So I'm going to make you learn that and sing that at the end of the show. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. (laughs) You want to go into what the premise of this show was and how we got to uh, presumably a ridiculous topic here. (laughs) Uh, I'm calling this the oh crap meeting. Um, I I was going to say the S word there, but I've realized without Josh on this episode, we've cussed at least 95% less than normal. So I'm going to try to keep that up for a little bit. Um, But this is the Abby earmuffs. (laughs) Shit. balls. (laughs) This is the, the imaginary meeting with Josh tomorrow with Bob Iger. When the numbers have started to come in that Epic universe is a real, real problem they're starting to see oh crap they're building 10 rides what do we yeah. do <laughs> and, and i'm talking about the 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 uh, reservations are down yeah the adva- all the advanced metrics are way in the toilet and this is the oh crap meeting we didn't do anything we have to figure out something we have to figure it out now and we have to come up with outlandish crazy ideas to counter this theme park that by all intents and purposes looks like it's opening with some major game-changing attractions. Yeah. So the idea is Tim and I are Imagineers pitching these things to Josh and uh, Bob with basically our jobs on the line. Josh because that's how drastic- is who we're going to be pitching to. That was the idea. Josh but- DeFenton. <laughs> He could, always, he could always jump on at some point. You just never know it, Josh. But uh, um, that's that's kind of the idea on this is the, the, the you've been tasked with come here with your we don't care how crazy it is. We don't care how expensive it is. We are at a point where we have to do something and we have to do something fast and big because we're in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean. We have done these before. We've had constraints before. Uh, and we, as we, as this show has evolved, we've become less, less constrained with our ideas. This is one of those shows. This is, <laughs> this is one where the practicality of a lot of this stuff is just out the window. So this is, this is really just Ben and I having fun. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> yep, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, so we're going we're gonna to start with the Animal Kingdom. Do you want to kick us off or would you like me to? Uh, I can kick us off. It's go fine. It. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is Chris Beatty's ideas at D23. Do them. Just go. Start now. Tomorrow. <laughs> get Moana going. Get the water ride going in. Get get the Zootopia ride in. Uh, nope. Dinosaur. We're doing it. Josh, uh, Josh. Josh tomorrow. We're doing it. Was that your Josh tomorrow saying nope? I don't know. Um, <laughs> that was that was Tim saying no. <laughs> we're doing it. Uh, I don't care uh, because dinosaurs not pulling in the numbers that it that it should be. We need can something, we do something other than Zootopia. 
I like uh, how in a pie in the sky thing, the first thing you do is piss me off. You can do your own thing in a minute, sir. This is my job on the line right now. Uh, <laughs> I got a family to feed. I don't care about your ideas. Um, but we're doing that first off, but that's not enough. We need more. Okay. We're going to take the parking lot that's behind the Legend of the, the, the uh, Festival of the Lion King Theater. Nice yep. big parking lot over there. Uh, we're going to do our Lion King version of the Enchanted Tales of Beauty and the Beast ride back there, Dark Ride. Um, it's And the reason we're doing this, it's a billion-dollar franchise. Okay. There's a live-action film that's done a billion dollars. You're doing a uh, Mufasa prequel to that. You have an animated film that has resonated with families for three decades now. It's a property that people will go out of their way to go see if it uh, – they will go see a bad attraction. They will wait in line for hours for an amazing attraction. So we're going to do that. We're going to – we're gonna. there's enough space back there to do that an amazing – and it's gonna be it's gonna be like Enchanted Tales of Beauty and the Beast. It's gonna be a you know by the numbers. Here's the film. We're, every story point, every musical point, but we're gonna blow people away uh, with this attraction. Okay. We're also going to do a true nighttime spectacular, and we're we're gonna make this a full day park. We're gonna make people want to stay here all day. We're also going to take advantage of the area back along the safari at night when the animals are put away. We'll we'll give enough time for them to clear the savanna because this is where we're going to house our drone show. A massive, massive drone show. The part of the problem with drones uh, in America, I don't. It, it seems they're able to do drones in every other park around the world, and the shows are pretty amazing. And there's guests everywhere, but the the there's definitely issues. Uh, with work, we've had them here with the FAA. With with there are uh, you know people around, you've got to have certain clearance uh, in case an issue happens with the drones. If you do it over the grasslands of the savanna, you can do an amazing drone show back there. It's going to be Disney-fied. I don't care. That's what people love. That's what uh, old, old Bob Chapek loved as well. But we're going to use drones to hit on the major Disney animated films of the past that featured animals, the music, the sights, the sounds, the characters, and... People are going to love it. So where are you going to view it if it's taking place in like the Savannah? It will probably be on the backside of the Tree of Life. You'll be in Africa. You'll be in Asia. But you're going to have that midpoint between the two lands where you can get in any of those points. The, the drones will be far, far enough back and high enough in the sky that you'll be able to see them from multiple points. Can I make a suggestion as to where they can originate? Where? There is a massive plot of land north of Cali River Rapids that doesn't have a safari on it, that doesn't have anything on it, that yep. you could put acres and acres of drones if you wanted yep. to. Let's do so, it. I've talked to a couple of people about the practicality of a drone show. Uh, I was thinking about doing one for my house. But no, the uh, uh, the amount of space required for for just staging all of these things is substantial. Mm-hmm. So you would probably need something if not the same size as like a fireworks launch area, perhaps even bigger than that yep. to, uh, to stage it. So you have that not, space back there. Yeah. You're not wrong in where to do it. I mean, we talked about, I think at one point doing something with drones over that body of water where they did rivers of light, but it sounds like what you're talking about would be substantial, you, you would more still substantial have, than that. If you did it there, you would likely still have to bring them in through the park over areas where guests would be underneath it. Yeah. And, and that would be an issue. That. Yep. 
The other thing there, and with it being a Jones show at Animal Kingdom, it totally gets you away from the issue of fireworks and the animals. So it, it makes sense if, for that park to be the park that would do a drone uh, spectacular. I think logistically, and I'm going to pull up Google Maps because, again, in an audio show, that's really the best way to do this, that the area where they used to have the boats stored, the, um, uh, the Discovery mm-hmm. River boats, mm-hmm. I believe you could hypothetically run the drones underneath the bridge there out into the water and do it that way where you've got them backstage and rather than having them go over guests you have them go under guests which is substantially safer uh, anyway sorry, yeah go ahead. possibly nope that's that's it for my animal kingdom all right no i i mean <laughs> i don't like your zootopia uh thing that wasn't that wasn't really your idea no nope, but, but we're I, using I mean, it Lion King uh to look at that area there's a ton of space behind the festival of the Lion King theater i think this that's a logical a logical choice. And I mean, you could, I don't know where you'd necessarily have the entrance point, but that entire parking lot, I don't know that that's really, that's definitely movable space. There's probably Mm -hmm. enough room as I look logistically, you could fit probably all of Expedition Everest on that footprint. So you've got a massive, massive space behind the Festival Lion King Theater. All you really have to do is maybe like half of the Indiana Jones adventure type long winding queue to get back there. Um, yep. There's plenty of room to do that. So, uh, no, I like it. I don't know if uh, Josh is going to approve of all the IP driven stuff, which is why I went a different direction. And again, because uh, this is this is our world and we can not have to operate under the IP mandate, I went with something that is, I'm dusting off an old plan with a new twist, and that is Beastly Kingdom. The yep. the biggest thing that Animal Kingdom fans have clamored for since inception has been Beastly Kingdom. But I think we pushed for that because we thought we knew what it was. And it ended up being that the true Beastly Kingdom originally was going to be that dragon-themed roller coaster and a hedge maze. So I'm not doing that. Uh, if you want to have the hedge maze, fine. But I'm not doing the dragon-themed coaster. Instead, uh, this is where I want to use the boat ride system that they use in Shanghai Pirates mm-hmm. and the entire land including the this attraction are going to have a Society of Explorers and Adventurers tie where we'll introduce a new sea character that's a cryptozoologist and the boat ride is going to feature uh, encounters with mythical animals from all around the world mm-hmm. and I spoke of this uh, not five minutes ago we're going to have to get to that plot of land north of Asia so that means moving the train, moving the Maharaja Jungle Trek, or moving Cali River Rapids to get up there. But that's the big space where you can put in a massive, massive expansion, and I want that expansion to be Beastly Kingdom. So the main ride that I came up with was that boat ride where you're having encounters with various animals. Uh, you can have a Kraken attack at the uh, that sends you down a waterfall. If anybody's watched Shanghai Pirates, what you can do with this ride system is pretty unique and pitching and not, not even pitching, uh, uh, changing the direction of the boat. You can have a lot of interesting dynamics with that. But uh, something else that I really liked about this that they used in that Shanghai Pirates ride, as well as the Beauty and the Beast attraction that Ben mentioned, is the Pepper's Ghost reveal of animatronic figures that they they light things in a way where you see perhaps a stationary figure in one case or a skeleton in one case that, have, that changes into the the real version of something as it does in Shanghai Pirates. And then I believe in the Beauty and the Beast ride, it's uh, Beast turning into the prince, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. So 
Uh, I figured you could do that to have certain mythical animals like unicorns and maybe pegasi, pegasuses, pegasuses, (laughs) that sounds right, uh, appear. Uh, You can have dragons breathing fire overhead, griffins flying overhead. All of that was kind of where I was, where I was going into it. But uh, if we're really practically looking at additions to the animal kingdom, I think the park needs more volume of attractions as opposed to even just like a single blow you out of the water attraction. So to Ben's point, while I disagree with the Zootopia idea of it, anything that would be done as a reactionary thing for the animal kingdom would have to be the Dino-Rama additions plus something else because the Dino-Rama additions are going to be a net positive of zero attractions from the park's peak. When you figure primeval world, you're replacing a spinner and you're replacing dinosaur. So they need to actually physically add attractions to that park. So whether it's near Festival of the Lion King, whether uh, there's probably some room next to Everest, or you're finally tapping into that area between the Safari and Cali River Rapids, there needs to be additions more than anything. Yep. So. Now, uh, if there's a way to get Beastly Kingdom in there, uh, I love it. Mm-hmm. I do worry a bit on the... We uh, unfortunately live in an IP world. I am IP Ben, or whatever uh, <laughs> Gary called me that show. <sighs> I wish they had the creativity to and in the guts to do something like that again. Um, yeah, and I'll and I'll talk about it in in, in Epcot coming up as well. There, there's. I think it's going to need new up. leadership. I think yep. that's what it's going to take. Yep, <laughs> I, I'd like to see the misses that they've had on non-IP rides compared to the uh, uh, like. There's not many misses. Like the the original non-IP had for the most part gone on to become like legendary classic attractions so why they're so space is the only one that comes to mind yeah and and for for them to be so gun shy to ever do it again um is a little baffling so uh we'll see but i like that but yeah there needs to be more to do with that park and and reasons to stick around longer uh (laughs) i love that we have a park that closes at like seven o'clock that had a whole new land built around the the bioluminescence uh, that you never get to see so we need a reason for anything just at least keep people along around long enough to see how beautiful avatar is at night (laughs) so (laughs) it's uh it's interesting it's interesting you say that when we look at what we were actually pitched there and i know disney has never done this but they showed us actual walking paths that were going to have even more interactive touch to them yeah. <laughs> that yep. never actually materialized either. But anyway, neither here no. nor there. No. Uh, why don't we move over to the studios? I took a, a, a few different angles with this one. I, I basically had one major attraction addition or alternatively two completely different ideas for lands. Okay. So uh, why, don't, why don't you kick us off here and then we'll kind of go into what I have with this being your favorite park. We'll see if we overlap at all. <laughs> we are going to take Disney Animation – Okay. And we're going to make this the Encanto attraction. Okay. Uh, we're Casa Ma- Madrigal is going to be the the layout of that. You're going to walk under the arch, and that's just what you're going to see. The, the foyer, the courtyard leading up to it. You're going to go inside. And, and I really don't care that we're going to have a third trackless ride <laughs> in this park. But guess what? Trackless rides seem to be quite popular anywhere they put them. Uh, and if they're never going to give us Mystic Manor anywhere, this is going to utilize pretty much everything you see in Mystic Manor. It, 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 that ride and how the manor just comes to life is exactly what Encanto is. That's what I mean, that, there are the multiple, multiple Omni movers in the Magic Kingdom. There are multiple boat rides yep. in the Magic Kingdom. Yep. So, And I again, I don't care that this is so close to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. It's a technology and ride system that people have really enjoyed 
and we're going to use it again because we're going to use it on a franchise that makes again a billion dollars and we're we're at this point moments away from another Encanto movie being announced like it, they're going to go back to that well again without a doubt and we might as well get ahead of the curve and build an attraction build an area build a land a land that's just dead right now there's so much dead space right there we're never going to get cars in that area I don't feel if they haven't done my Montropolis by now uh, they're never going to do it. So I feel go with one of the recent hits, put Encanto there. It makes sense. Uh, but I do have a secondary attraction <laughs> that's going to go right next to it. Does it make sense? I don't think so at all. But at this point, we're looking for things that are cool that are going to pull people in. <laughs> okay. And I can't walk by Voyage of the Little Mermaid again and not just get pissed that they haven't reopened this thing. Okay. It's It's... It's in too much of a prime spot for it not to be pulling people in. And if you remember, during the prime of that park, that thing had an extended queue outside that had people waiting for show after show after show. It was the most popular thing in the park in like 1991 or whenever it opened. So I'm going to do something here, and it's not going to be Little Mermaid. Uh, we've got Little Mermaid in another park. Uh, the 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 live action was fine; it was good, but we don't need to do anything around that. But I am going to build this another around another IP. You're going to love it. <laughs> but I think it works for this. And we've talked about the Born Stuntacular before, and how amazing that technology is with that show. And it was show. again another little hidden. A hidden attraction. Nobody expected anything from it, but for everybody who goes and sees it, they walk away telling people, like, you know, you need to go do that. And they, I feel you could do something here that would be really cool along the lines of that. This is going to be an Indiana Jones uh, symposium attraction. Okay. And as dumb as that sounds, just give me a second. Going back, watching the uh, Indiana Jones films and seeing the new one this summer – there's always a scene in these films where he's teaching at a school. Okay. Well, I want right to do- now, Sorry, I'm going to interrupt. Where my yep. mind is going is over at Disney Sea, they have a section called Lost River Delta, which is where they have their two Indiana Jones rides. Mm-hmm. I'm now wondering how long is it going to be until they have an Encanto attraction in that land where they've decided that this is all South American uh, set up and you can put it all together. Anyway, sorry, continue. Yep. So. I'm going to do something with this where it's it's like you're walking you know the, the the films of Indiana Jones what the the most recent one takes place essentially in the late 60s. So it's okay. not modernized that when you're going to walk in here it's like you're in a classroom of a college in give it that same setting the end of his career in the 60s. But what you're going to be wrapped around is a digital screen that's in front of you and on the sides of you and behind you but mixed in with that is going to be physical sets. Okay? So the desk there is real. The, the the there's there's many many things around you that are real, and it's going to feel like you're sitting there inside of a classroom, going to going to a lecture from Indiana Jones talking about a certain artifact he found on one of his adventures. But just like in the uh, pre-show for the Tokyo Disney Sea Tower of Terror ride, for just like in the pre-show of Mystic Manor, that mystic mystical object is going to be activated and come to life. And special, it's essentially a small it's a good trope special and it effects works. show. I mean, was it? it's a good trope and it works. They have yep. story beats that they hit upon that, I mean, clearly when Disney does storytelling where they've got to have a five to six minute experience be kicked off by something, there's a few things that just work. And that's one of them. Yep. And this is going to, 
the best way I can describe this is probably putting like modern technology inside uh, the Adventurers Club. Okay. So think about artifacts and different things just wrapped around you as you're sitting in front of this lecture hall with a live actor on stage as the thing comes to life. And once it comes to life, everything around you comes to life until the power of it is harnessed and put back together. And it's the end of the presentation. And you get to walk out. It's chaos. And then everything is fixed by the end. Yeah. yeah. And with, it, with the mythology of Indiana Jones, anything can happen in that room. Sure. And, and I feel... Like you could pull off a mini born stuntacular thing where people are not going to think much of it until they go in and do it and be like, holy crap, that was amazing. And this is the kind of perfect intimate setting in a prime location that needs to be activated again because it's going to pull people in. And I do think if you throw the, an Indiana Jones IP on it, as I'm going to talk about later, uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> it works. So those are my two ideas there. I, I don't think you have to do too much for this park because it's gotten so much over the years, but uh, we have talked. There is a need for more capacity. It needs depth. Yeah, if you put in another major e-ticket attraction with a courtyard setting that leads up to it that kind of themes the land that can have some stuff going on, uh, you know, to pull people out during, during in that area, that would be fantastic as well. But uh, a couple things here. You're going to put most of your money, I think, in a couple of the other parks, uh, one park in particular. And uh, but but you you've got to do something at each of these parks to again pull people away for that from the the ones that are going to be going to Epic Universe down the road. So I think you you definitely saw a disaster over at Universal yep. when that was a thing. Did you ever see the uh, the Legend of Captain Jack Sparrow? Oh yeah, Disney's showcase of, of yep. the Musion Tech. Now, I enjoyed it. So like I, by no means do I want to compare Legend of Captain Jack Sparrow to. The Born Stuntacular show, but there was there were components of that. How mm-hmm. realistic that that projector looked of Captain Jack in there that did have that wow factor for what was otherwise a an A borderline B ticket diversion type attraction. I think mm-hmm. Disaster did it just that much better, where it it under promised and over delivered every single time you went in there, in part because you had some guest interaction. So mm-hmm. I'm a very big proponent of those types of things where you're not even necessarily selling the Indiana Jones side of this as like an e-ticket. You're just getting, you're using Indiana Jones to get you in the door and yep. as a showcase for yep. uh, the entire experience. But I think that's a situation where we always complain about IP integration, preying on familiarity over quality. In this case, it's taking that known IP to get you in the door to showcase a quality that if it didn't have an IP, you probably wouldn't go in and venture yep. in and see an experience. So I, I get that. And I think that's honestly where it should be used in a lot of these cases. Not that Indiana Jones isn't deserving of a massive e-ticket attraction, but I think for purposes of this discussion, I, I like that approach to it. So uh, when I when I looked at the studios – I think uh, you could probably agree <laughs> the last thing that it needs is another attraction with a height requirement. <laughs> so uh, I, I decided to come up with an attraction with a height requirement. And <laughs> the uh, actually, before I even get into that, I had a couple of alternative proposals that I didn't really dive too deep into. But on the heels of something that you just mentioned, the popularity of Barbie, we could do a Barbie land here. Oh, yeah. Where the stretch, people are going are gonna to laugh and mock at this, but the stretch from Rock and Roller Coaster to Toy Story would actually provide some logical transitions as well. And we've talked about that plot of land eliminating mm-hmm. uh, the animation courtyard. But you could have Rock and Roller Coaster be 
pseudo retheme to like the Malibu area. And then you get to the plasticky side by, uh, by Toy Story. That's a pretty logical transition for a Barbie land. There's, and you talk I, about billion dollar franchises. This is, I think, what I, uh, one of the most popular franchises in the history of the world. Yeah. It, it's a Mattel product, right? It, I believe so. And they've so, had ties before with Barbie, but. Well, and there uh, is a Mattel theme park opening in Phoenix. Uh, It's going to have a Hot Wheels land. It's going to have stuff like that, which um, I don't know the exclusivity uh, of that. But for anybody anybody who's seen Barbie, if you didn't sit there and watch that movie going, this is the theme park land, then you're out of your mind. Like they they built a theme park land in that film. And whoever can acquire those rights is going to be ahead of the game. Like it, 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 that is an attraction it, without a doubt. And the, in the box office return on it has been bonkers. Mm-hmm. It makes sense in all the sense of the world. Yeah. As I'm sitting there watching that film, uh, I really enjoyed that by the way. I thought, I thought I it was great. It. And, uh, but the, what the, the set design, the physical sets that they actually did, I'm sitting there going, I would like to drive down the street and see these sets. I, I want to go into the Barbie dream house. I want to go into Ken's mojo dojo, uh, when he takes it over <laughs> and then the Ken's, the Ken's run, like it just, it screams a theme park land. So yeah, I agree with you with you, with your pitch right there that if Disney doesn't come up with a deal universal, it's like, it, it makes total sense for them to figure out a deal build off the film version of that. It'd make, it makes sense for their studios park uh, without a doubt as a, you know, eventually once Epic universe opens, that's the amazing thing with that company is they're immediately going to turn their attention to the other two theme parks to build new lands over there. So uh, it would make sense there without a doubt. We've talked about intellectual property, movie based intellectual properties that lend themselves to an entire themed land with Harry Potter showing the world that it could happen. Disney took a step yeah, with Cars Land, ultimately with Pandora uh, and others to see what can work and what can't work. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about some some of these things. Star Wars became one as well. Barbie is one of those things where mm-hmm. the world building exists yep. that could be recreated into a theme park uh, land. So something Absolutely. that I, I, I had in the back of my mind, I am far from a Barbie expert. Uh, try to wrap your mind around that being true. But yeah. um, it was just a thought that I had as kind of a secondary or tertiary thought. The other thing that I threw out there for the studios as well, and it does pin on previously announced projects, I would prefer a villain's land in the studios because I think it lends itself to more in the studios. But uh, I didn't go deep into either of those. What I really focused on was an expansion to Galaxy's Edge. So the biggest complaint that we've had about Galaxy's Edge uh, was that it's set in roughly the timeline of episode eight. And Mm -hmm. really what I want to see, and we've talked about this at at length here, is doing away with that timeline, especially for what I'm doing. And sorry, Ben, this is going to the Muppet Courtyard area and back to the parking lot uh, to extend into the Star Tours Jedi Training Academy area as well, depending on how we want to do it. I swore I wasn't going to cuss, but you're pushing it. (laughs) So uh, full disclosure, it is hard to do the setup for this attraction without story beats that are very similar to Rise of the Resistance. But it's going to be technically two separate attractions, but the attractions intersect with each other. You've got the Rebel side and you've got the Imperial side. The Rebel side would be closer to the existing Galaxy's Edge. Uh, I would have a Batuu-esque queue and you are transported to Hoth, uh, additional queue through like Ice Caves or something. 
and you can pick your poison on the transport as to who's going to communicate with you, be it Yoda, be it Luke, be it Leia, be it Han, whoever, whoever you want. Pre-show two, Luke preps you on your mission. So that's kind of the setup for the rebel side. The Imperial side would be further removed from Batu in a new area adjacent to the Dark Spire out- Outpost, or the Black Spire Outpost, rather. Uh, you're going to have another similar queue, but you're going to have a transport to a Death Star. Additional queue uh, going through the ship. That's probably going to be very familiar. But uh, I don't want to recreate the Star Destroyer setup. And we already are knowing that an attack is imminent at this point. So on the Imperial side, you know that the Rebels are actually attacking you. So it's kind of flipping Rise of the Resistance a little bit. And then in the case of pre-show number two, on the Imperial side, Vader is prepping you for a mission. Uh, He knows an attack is coming and we need to be ready for it. So going back to the Rebel side. The Rebel side, you're fighting in X-Wings. Imperial side, you're fighting in TIE Fighters. You've got, and this is where you get uh, super expensive, you've got four-person X-Wing fighters, four-person TIE fighters, four tracks for each one of them. So you've effectively got eight attractions or eight tracks intersecting with each other um, on a mild roller coaster type thing. But you have, you're having dogfights. You're going to have things that approach a Death Star that is going to be the integration of screens. Uh, you're going to go through the trench run with physical movement, not just on a Star Tours vehicle. And ultimately, the Rebels get to blow up the Death Star. And flying back to the Rebel ship, you're greeted by Darth Vader, who force pushes us into the ship back into space. And we have basically, as Josh likes to have, the false ending on the on the Rebel side. On the Imperials, go ahead. I was just going to say, you're not going to use the uh, Astro Blaster bumper cars with the rubber ball cannons that were at uh, Disney Quest for the ride system <laughs> on this? Not, not quite that. Uh, there could be a component where you, where you why not just tr- slap bing, a gun bing. on there? Maybe, maybe, maybe some Nerf guns. But uh, the idea here is you're going to have similar story beats, but in the case of the Rebel side, you'll have Darth Vader pushing them back into space. On the Imperial side, you'll have Luke, uh, Luke Skywalker pushing them back into space. But the idea is finally getting that true dogfight battle with X-Wings and TIE Fighters as two separate attractions, multi-tracks, and when you said, uh, go hard or go home, uh, I figured that, all right, in order to logistically do this, you're going to have to have four tracks and you don't want to have like a train of X-Wings and a train of TIE Fighters. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, why not? We'll just effectively build eight roller coasters into a single building. I think that's, I like I think that's, yeah, I that's re- reasonable from a, uh, from a budget standpoint. I, I want, uh, it, can, can I make one request on the harness system? For oh, this sure. attraction. I want over the shoulder harnesses for uh, the 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 TIE fighters. So they can spin around in a circle because well, of barrel the, rolls? What I want, though, is, you know, the little uh, inflatable bags on uh, Flight of Passage to make it feel like it's breathing? Uh, the, 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 yeah, yeah. I want them to be able to inflate around your neck at the end. So when, when you encounter Vader after you've failed, he does like the force pinch oh, I love it. on your yeah. neck and it, and it, and it puts pressure on both sides of your neck. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe cutting off oxygen. I don't know. Maybe you have to sign a waiver, uh, before you ride the ride, but it, it just takes that little bit of realism to the next level. Can we insist on your father riding next to everybody to grab their leg as well? <laughs> yeah. He, you don't have to insist. <laughs> he'll, he'll gladly do that. <laughs> it's a little grabby. <laughs> My pleasure. 
Uh, no, I mean, this goes back to uh, when we get to Epcot, I'm going to dust some stuff off as well, but you know, this goes back to kind of the old idea of that. Uh, what, what was it? The, uh, speeder bike, uh, yeah, yeah. coaster through indoor. It, like it makes sense. Like, it, like star Wars is a high speed, high, uh, thrilling film. Like the, these, these flights lend itself to a roller coaster, uh, type attraction at some point somewhere. Uh, and by doing it indoors in the dark, it can help simulate that motion of flight even more. Right. And we, I mean, shoot, we saw it on, uh, we've seen it on guardians of the galaxy. Like it feels like you're flying. It feels like you are in space during that attraction. They did a great job with it and they could do that with this as well. Uh, and honestly, probably the show building size of, of guardians could fit what you're talking about in there. Yeah. It would like, have to like, be massive. I they, mean, They've done it before, though, and they and that can be done again. Yeah, I mean, just throw a couple billion dollars at it, and I think you can do it. There's like a large, there is a large building that they're not going to be using um, pretty soon uh, back there that could probably house a, a facility that size, and you could do sure. uh, you could do launch tunnels to get you to that plot of land. <laughs> uh, Perfect to get you there. So, <laughs> or the, those pre-shows could be done in box trucks. You don't know. Yeah, true. Actually, you probably could do a somewhat launch tunnel that gets you over that road to get you back to that space of land to get to where the attraction is inside. And uh, it it talks about we've talked about that, like they've got to use that plot of land at some point. But the problem is, how do you get people over there? Right. There you go. You know, a a vertical launch tunnel that takes you over the road so the, uh, the, the cast member cars can drive underneath it, get you to where you need to be. And then you do the entire attraction over on that side of uh, uh, of the area. There, done. All right, easy enough. Then you can, that, you can that, save that, Mama Mel Roses by doing that. I mean, a POV of that ride is going to do so many clicks on TikTok that there's no way Josh and Bob are going to say no to it. They don't exactly. care what the price is. It's going to be such a social media darling of an attraction that's going to you know drive awareness and uh, free promotion of the company. That's all they care about these days anyway. Uh, to get you know, might sell a couple tickets, and that's what we're here for. I mean, just put a billion and a half dollar price tag on it. Should be fine. I don't see any problem with it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else for the studios or should we move up to Epcot? Move up to Epcot. All right. Your go. Uh, first off, we're going to do Wakanda. I don't care. We're going to put that in Wonders <laughs> of Life. It's going there. Uh, we can do a simulator attraction inside it. Uh, it lends itself in the film. The the kind of... Uh, Siri, uh, Shuri uses Shuri. it. Uh <laughs> uh, during it, but it's that technology that they have to where they are flying jets and they're driving cars, but from another room. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what the simulator is going to be, is we're going to be like them, where, where from a, another location, we're flying a jet, but that's how we're going to get to Wakanda from Epcot. Uh, it's going to be, you know, we're gonna, we've are gonna we talked about it before, the educational center, that's what it's going to be inside there. There'll be small attractions throughout it, but the main attraction itself is we're going to be able to get into a simulator that's going to virtually fly us to Wakanda for a tour of their people, their country, their and, and everything over there. So I, I won't spend too much time here because we've talked about the idea before. I don't know if we've pitched that version of the attraction we've before. We've pitched five different uh, yeah. Wakanda Black Panther attractions. Yeah, but that, you know, using shit, you can use the bays from Body Wars, right. like that area. Language. I know, sorry. Uh, do a modernized uh, simulator technology for that. Uh, it would work though, but following some of the stuff that we've actually seen in the film, you'll now be able to to be in one of those simulators, which will give you the you know the effect of actually feeling like you're in Wakanda uh, itself. The other thing that Disney does pretty fantastic, 
and all of these tend to become somewhat classic. Some are some are old classics, some are modern classics. They always have a line though. Uh, we're going to dust off the idea of Mount Fuji behind Japan, and okay. we're going to build another freaking mountain, and we're going to put a roller coaster in it. Okay. I've always loved that idea from from many years ago. I think the site of that, if done right, would look amazing. We'll use that plot of land, that expansion pad that is behind there. Uh, I know there's a water waterway system that we'll have to figure out, but we figured it out for uh, Guardians. We'll figure it out for Fuji. But my goal, my thing there is, you know, it's worked with shit again, language. Sorry. Uh, Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, Splash Mountain, Expedition Everest. Mountains work. Mountains sell tickets. Mountains draw people in. And guess what? It's not built around IP. So you can quit giving me crap about that. I'm giving you one (laughs) non-IP attraction. And it's going to be finally going back to the drawing board. The the Imagineers always say it. No, you know, no idea. No good idea is ever dead. (laughs) There's something like that. I think Walt made that quote one time. Um, (laughs) It's bust. Get it out of the fire. If you put it on a wall, then it's fine. (laughs) It's Walt Disney. I think he said, just do it. Didn't he? That was one of his quotes. That was him as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's this one. It's like, just do the freaking mountain. We've talked about it since uh, for years finally get to it build that attraction build that coaster attraction that's on the other side of the park it helps distribute the people a little bit better there ratatouille has done a great job of drawing people over there but there still needs to be something else that draws more people to that side of the park uh should sell lightning lanes for it let's make it awesome you know a version of i think a modern version of a matterhorn type attraction would totally work here uh, something that won't break Tim's back, I think he would uh, appreciate. <laughs> so a little bit smoother version of it, but something that's in and out of the mountain. Uh, do the cool effects on it. Make a little, you know, the make make it a scale version that it uh, that when you're looking at it from the other side of the park, uh, it's that weenie that that's always talked about. They said weenie that draws you over there. It would look really cool, and as you're driving around the resorts, I know there's a lot of resorts in that area that would maybe throw off some sight lines, but sight lines be damned at Disney these days. We gotta, we gotta Especially worry about that. Yeah, we gotta worry about that theme park up the road. We don't care what people at the Riviera see or they don't see. Um, so let's throw a mountain up there. Let's put a coaster in. People like coasters. People like uh, Guardians. They'll like this one as well, and it's you know paying homage to an original Disney idea that never got off the ground. As I look at that area, there's some, there's a, an entire plot between Morocco and Japan that you could probably end up putting this as well, where you wouldn't yep. even necessarily have to move it. There's looks to be some sort of facility on the back half of that plot that whether that needs to be moved or not. But if you're if you're looking at expansion. There's expansion room in the Japan Pavilion. Matterhorn is um, a shockingly small footprint for what yeah. it is. So you could do something along those lines back there and not yeah. have to shake things up too much. Sure, sure. I mean, you're hitting on things that are like fan favorite, fan favorite asks, those types of things. So you're not really going to get much resistance on, on my end from it. Yeah, and again, it's another park that's had a lot of love over the years. Uh, and they're, shoot, they're getting Moana next that people are going to flock to the park already there. We, might, we probably don't even need to add anything to Epcot because after Moana Journey of Water opens, they'll be, they'll be set. But, I mean, that's just a small part. There's the other ideas that we've had about imagination. That could be used to redo. There's lots that can happen in this park, but... Uh, we kind of made I'm a conscious right effort to not truly yep. Yep. lean into things that are just the obvious. Um, I mentioned villains for the studios. Uh, I think we both would... If we're... if 
gun to her head, the most logical thing for Magic Kingdom that they've already talked about would be adding a villain's land. If you want to add add demand to the Magic Kingdom, that's probably how you would do it. Similarly, Imagination and Epcot. But yep. I want to uh, touch on you're discussing Wakanda. There are, I mean, you already have Epcot being IP driven. There are absolutely story treatments for Wakanda in Future World or, or World discovery as it is there that makes sense i like it in the front half if it's going in epcot i like it in the front half of epcot more than world showcase and i think that if you're going to lean into the history of a fake culture go with the science side of epcot as opposed to trying to say that yeah. this is a real culture that exists with other real cultures in the world. I think there's, despite the fact that you've added Frozen, you've added Ratatouille, you've added Grand Fiesta Tour, there is still grounded in reality the rest of World Showcase, whereas Future World has always had some pseudoscience in yeah. it. The futurism and say horizons or world of motion was like our visions of the future from the sixties, seventies and eighties. It's never really, it, it hasn't always been totally grounded in reality. Like say spaceship earth has often been. So yeah. if we're going to do it, then I think this is where you can have some of that whimsy as well. And uh, honestly, I'd be on all four taking down mission space as well as the wonders of yep. life pavilion to do it. Yep. And if you're going logic, this can be your pseudo Marvel area adjacent to the Zandarian outpost. You would also have a Wakandan outpost. That's yep. that's not a difficult story. We talked about how they repeat tropes. That's not a difficult story no. trope, and that's one that is very much on brand for Black Panther. No surprise, and this is part of the fun of doing these exercises. I went a totally different way. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really focus on an attraction here. I focused on building a resort inside the park. So I'm building the Sea Castle Resort uh, over by the Seas Pavilion. It's going to be a resort inside the footprint of Epcot. Uh, the elevators of the resort are going to be your hydrolators. Every room is going to have an aquarium view, but in deference to your uh, Galactic Star Cruiser, it will also have views inside the park because those hotels that exist on Dis within Disney parks that have those views are incredible. Uh, I had the good fortune of staying at one in Tokyo. I don't know if you knew that. I went to Tokyo a few years ago. Mm. But the the idea of, you know, in the morning being able to peek out the window or even at night as like maintenance crews are going through, that in itself is a nice novelty. But we talk about a view out into space and it's a fictitious portal. Why not have a portal into a real aquarium that uh, every uh, – millionaire in the country would have if you've seen the, you've seen that show where you have like the uh the ridiculous millionaire aquariums that people put into their house yeah, i want to do I that have, in a hotel yeah my my question is though will people that are inside uh the seas have a hotel room view uh into those same windows it'll be like the roger center or the sky dome where <laughs> mi mid game you can see people having sex in the windows yeah, i was gonna say because gary's gonna <laughs> be a permanent resident in one of those just for his uh <laughs> You're going to see First somebody up, yep. up against the triple pane glass with a pressed ham <laughs> <laughs> as a dolphin swims by. Dolphins we, will need we will need therapy for all these animals is what it's going to come down to. The dolphins are watching. They ain't swimming by. They're stopping. Dolphins are perverts. You're right. <laughs> um, 
I mean, in terms of an attraction with it, uh, the logical thing would be to do a simulated underwater vehicle like the 20,000 Leagues in Tokyo. Uh, but I, if you're going to do that, in addition to the actual marine life, I want it to be the focus on underwater living that was discussed in Horizons originally and the focus of the Sea Castle Resort. But I love the idea of, I mean, we failed with the space resort, so let's try a different angle from the original Horizons end scene, and this one is going to be the Sea Castle Resort, and we're going to try to do that one instead within the footprint of Epcot's Park. And I'm looking at Bob uh, and Damaro. They're they're nodding their heads right now. This will be the counter to the Grand Helios Hotel that's going to be in Epic Universe. Uh, sure, yeah. which, so so you're, we're getting another check mark here. We're getting another thing off the books. We're getting our in-park resort uh, that we're obviously going to charge top top freaking dollar for i'm thinking three thousand a night per person at least um <laughs> <laughs> that's for the parking lot view what, what uh, can go wrong <laughs> so they they seem to be happy with this so i think we got another thing uh that we're gonna get the green light on so i had another thought this was just something that crossed over my youtube algorithm today you're a frequenter of vegas correct yep yep when was the last time you were there uh two a little, little less than two years ago okay so another one of our complaints on Epcot is the massive show building that is Guardians. And I believe either the last show or the show before that, I suggested that the way to mask that show building is to put something bigger in front of it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, are you familiar with where the sphere? Building? The sphere. That's what we're doing. <laughs> I think well, your, your budget for this is what? A little over $2 billion? Yep. For the uninitiated, you've got maybe like two-thirds of a sphere at ground level uh, it's let's see, 366 feet tall, uh, 1.2 million individual LEDs on the outside. It's effectively a, uh, a a giant LED screen on the outside that you can turn into whatever you want. And inside, there's also a 250 foot tall 18K interior screen yep. with uh, what is I see 160,000 speakers. So just yep. massively, massively overbuilt. So we're going to use this. Primarily uh, for whatever we damn well please, but also to mask the Guardians show building. What, so we'll just, you, there is an episode of Marty Called, if you go back, where I did say put screens along the outside of that building, and that's where we put the music from Guardians up on it for a large outdoor sing-along okay. uh, for, for Guardians. So this idea is not as far-fetched as you think. I think the $2.3 billion budget might <laughs> might put a squash to it. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I do encourage people. Maybe I'll post this with the show as we release it. There's some cool videos of what the screen can do. And there's uh, also some there, there's also some cool math on the uh, spike in traffic incidents uh, along that street oh, sure. that leads towards it because it is the most distracting thing you have ever seen in your life uh, that's next to you know, major streets and highways. Right, right. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I guess they're building one in London as well. But yep. uh, yeah, I thought I thought this was interesting. Is it? Yeah, why not throw it in Epcot? I don't yeah. know what we'll do with it, but you've got a massive screen. You can do something with it. So, <laughs> actually, Spaceship Earth. Let's replace it with the sphere. Just take it out. Just- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> I figured I lost you at that point, but hey, we what can the hell? we can project the Aluka Bond panels on the outside of it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. You, think the, we, you thought the you thought the points of light were cool. <laughs> we're losing people in the Netherlands. 
basically move over to the Magic Kingdom where you can uh, you can finish off your slate of massive, massive projects for the Magic Kingdom. This is massive. This is okay. the biggest change. This is the, hey, we're not going to build a new theme park uh, to counter Epic Universe, but we're going to fundamentally change one half of another of one of our classic theme parks. Okay. And we're going to take the west side of the Magic Kingdom and just completely reimagine it. Okay. So all we're, of Adventureland? Adventureland <laughs> Frontierland? Yep. We're, okay. we're going to have a Frontierland problem. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, but it's not something I'm going to address with this first overhaul. That's phase two that okay. we never get to. Uh, okay. <laughs> for, uh, uh, Big Thunder might just be its own thing at, at some point uh, because we're, we're just not going to address it right now. But we are going to take Pirates... We're going to take Tiana. We're going to take that strip from Country Bears over uh, to Tiana. We're gonna we're gonna redo that New Orleans Square. We're gonna okay. give that New Orleans um, because we're going to start. We're gonna take everything from Jungle Cruise and move north at that point. So we're talking uh, Tiki Birds. We're talking that little passageway across the where where uh, the it goes by Aloha Isle. Yep, yep. That's going to lead into uh, what is currently Tom Sawyer Island, which we're going to reimagine itself, and it's going to lead back to that plot of land that has been kind of uh, teased for Coco and Kanto and villains, and we're going to call this New Adventureland. Okay. And I think it lends itself for a marketing campaign. Uh, New Adventure sounds cool. Come to the Magic Kingdom for a new adventure. Come to the Magic Kingdom for a new adventure land. Okay. We're going to make this the – this is going to be the center point of the park. This is what people are going to spend all their time in. And again, it's going to start at the Jungle Cruise, move north. We're going to redo Tom Sawyer Island to uh, an adventure theme. And I'll get to I'll get to what it's going to kind of get to in a second. But I think we've all discussed that at some point Tom Sawyer is going to go away. I'm, so, I'm shocked it hasn't already. Uh, there's issues – with the the IP that yep. at, at some point is going to come to a head. <clears throat> so this this area is going to keep the cave system. It's going to keep it's going to keep a, a theme of adventure. It's going to keep a theme of looking for stuff. You're you're on your own missions. Maybe we do something that's currently kind of like with the Pirates League type deal, where that that land uh, has a treasure component to it. Go get a map. Go find these different things. But essentially, this whole area is going to 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 get away from like a frontier western theme come across to more of a uh the exotic theme that we currently see in the current adventure land and we're going to exit out the back end of it where the fort is currently we'll retheme that i don't have that idea just yet but something will change there the fort will go away but we're going to cross over the water into that expansion pad and this is where we're going to have a little bit of india and we're going to have another thing i'll get to in a second but uh, I mentioned it before. <laughs> We're going to lean into the things that work. There's okay. an attraction at Disneyland that is, what, 25 years old now that still has the longest line in the park that they still invest a lot of money into over and over again because people love it so much. It is a it is Storybook a modern, canal boats. Oh, sorry. Absolutely. It's a modern day classic. It's the Indiana Jones adventure. Okay. But we're going to do that. We're going to put Indiana Jones back here, but we're going to sit here and we're not going to clone what's currently in Disneyland. We're not going to clone what's at Disney Sea. At a minimum, 
We're going to double that ride. We know people love this attraction. We know people love this story. We know people love the the points in this. We're going to double the size of that show building. We're going to double the length of the ride. We're going to double the special effects. I might even lean into one of the stories. We might make this India. We might make this straight up Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I think that's a needle mover right off the bat. That if you're going along those storylines, those points, you're going to relive that. You're going to use the ride system that is used from Indiana Jones Adventure uh, in Dinosaur. We're going to go with that same ride system. But this show building is going to be so massive that we're also going to include the cart roller coaster that was part of the thing. The original thought in Disneyland was multiple rides within the one show building. We're going to bring that back because this show building is going to be so big. We're going to have the room to do that. We're not going to put the boat ride in, but we are going to do a mine cart roller coaster that zigs and zags in and around the track of the Indiana Jones adventure ride itself. You're going to get two rides for the price of one inside this building both have their own storylines, both have their own climaxes, both have their own endings, but for the main big... Can large, we add TIE Fighters and absolutely. Uh, yep. this is as the, well? This is your eight roller coaster <laughs> tracks. This is me putting two ride systems in one building with one of the major showrooms with these things crisscrossing and interacting with each other. Yep. I think... Especially if you do uh, an India leading up to it, an India, uh, a market system, restaurants, dining, shopping, into going into the temple and and living out that storyline with Indiana Jones and go again, going back to the classic. You did it with Star Wars. Go back to what really moved the needle with Indiana Jones, not the current stuff. I like the new movie. It was fun. It was great. Uh, Crystal Skull, not well received. Uh, let's go back to the stuff that really made Indy what he was, what people want to see, what pulls on the, the heartstrings of people our age that grew up with this IP and the story and actually the versions of the character that we introduced to our children more than likely. You showed them uh, Temple of Dune. You know, you showed them Raiders of the Lost Ark before you showed them any of the new stuff. This is us getting to go back and do those things. So part of this section is going to be an Indiana Jones land with two major e-tickets in one show building uh, with an India setting. But right off of India, you're going to go into another attraction that uh, I think when I present this to Bob and Josh, it's easy for me to say this is built around one of your animated classics. It was the first animated movie to do $200 million in North America. It had a live action version that in 2018, when it came out, did $1.5 billion worldwide. It moved the needle. It moved the money. It's Aladdin. We're going with Aladdin. We're going to do the the markets and everything just like the film. You're going to have the, the street rat <laughs> types, type setting. Did you setting. know that Aladdin could actually kill a guest in Disney World? That was actually something that is in the contract. The Aladdins can kill a guest in Disney World. I think I heard that before. Uh, that's I'm all for that. Uh, but what this is going to have as a third major e-ticket attraction, because money's no object, right? Right. But <laughs> off in the distance uh, – we're going to see the cave of wonders and we're going into the cave of wonders. And that's what she said. That's right. She, this is uh they talked about the f- flight of passage ride system for an Encanto ride. I'm oh, sorry, not Encanto mm-hmm. Coco ride. This is going to be it. We, for years we've tried to do the magic carpet, the flying magic carpet. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to use again. I'm just, when I present this to the bosses, I'm going to say that this ride system has been open. It's been around for what? Five, six years now, seven years. It's coming up on. Yep. And it's still, how long is the line every day? 
and it still works. It still sells out your lightning lanes, right? Like you make a lot of money off of it. Let's do it again and let's do it at this park and let's do it around an IP that people love. They still love. It still moves the needle. Uh, it would sell a ton of merch in that area. The uh, the meet and greets uh, speak for themselves. But if you do a Cave of Wonders attraction using the Flight of Passage ride system where you get to experience what it feels like flying on a magic carpet and finding the lamp and finding Genie, um, that's a ride I want to go ride. And I think it's a ride a lot of people would ride. So uh, the new Adventureland concept is a total rebuild of the west side of that park. And... I think it's a no-brainer. That's you just hit me, on a, You hit on a couple of things. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. That Disney, for the for the 90s era movies, they've they've touched on the non-princess stuff. Like, I mean, I love Festival of the Lion King. Obviously, the Aladdin stage show was great. But they never really did either of those movies uh-uh. justice with, a, with an attraction, with a ride. Uh-uh. And you hit on two of them. And you're you're absolutely right. Like if we're if we're going back into the history of Disney, those are movies that are timeless. Uh, yep. I'm going to ignore the remakes because those aren't really the reason why they're timeless. It's the originals that are why they're timeless. Yeah, and the, yeah, the, the, I mean the, the fact the, that there the, isn't an Aladdin ride uh, is appalling. The fact the that they took out the show is also appalling. The, but. You can ignore, and I would not build this around the remakes. Like this would yeah, be this would be the '90s version of Aladdin. But the nice thing about it is they do have the research. They have they they know that they came out with a, another version of that film uh, twenty years later, and it moved another one point five billion dollars. Which means this is a franchise that people like. They care yeah. about. They like the old one, and guess what? They like the new one too. Um, and so it should be. Uh, they shouldn't have a worry at all about opening a new land and a major attraction based on that ride. It's a lot safer than saying necessarily going with the Coco ride. I liked Coco a lot. I loved Coco, but you know, look at the box off on it, uh, office on it. it. It falls in those, uh, you know, area of Pixar that it, that was one of the, uh, the first Pixar movies that didn't quite hit normal Pixar levels and didn't sell the merchandise of most Pixar films. So maybe you might be slightly hesitant of building a major attraction around a property that you think a lot of people like, but you don't necessarily have all of the facts and history behind it to show that they do like it. Where Lion King, you have that information. Aladdin, you have that information. It should be no-brainers to add these things to the parks. Uh, You mentioned Coco, and I'm going to cite something. I I don't necessarily want to mention this person's name, but a listener to the show. Derek Bergen. It was not Derek. Listener to the show that I met up with uh, within the last week uh, is Mexican, and I talked with him about whether or not he would like a Coco overlay to Grand Fiesta Tour, and his answer was no. And the main reason was because what is left of Grand Fiesta Tour, he had never experienced El Rio del Tiempo, excuse me, uh, still harkens back to the original. It ha- it has a true Mexico vibe, yeah. whereas when you switch it to an animated movie, it, it cheapens it. And I yeah. get that. I mean, that's largely been what our argument has been about Frozen in Norway and to a lesser extent Remy in in France. And I, I get that, all right, if we're looking at an animated version of a real country, does that cheapen it? And that's largely been in line with what we've complained about. But the Magic Kingdom has always been about fantasy. 
And we, if we're going to go back to that Tony Baxter line uh, that they butchered a few years ago at an expo, <laughs> that the Magic Kingdom is where fantasy becomes real and Epcot is where real becomes fantasy, then I think that is where some of these things do end up belonging. And I, I'm kind of torn about it, but I'm absolutely going to defer to somebody that is a native of, of the country to say whether or not something's appropriate. I'm because I'm sure as hell not qualified to do so. So yeah. I've been, I've long been suggesting a cocoa overlay in in Mexico in part because I think it's probably better than what's there. But at the same time, the real true idea would be a reversion back to real world Mexico um, or putting cocoa in the Magic Kingdom as they have suggested, which yeah. is not a horrible idea. So anyway, wasn't a, wasn't Tony Baxter also famous for saying, "Where's the beef"? I believe so. Yeah, actually, that was Walt Disney. Um, oh, that's, that's another Walt quote. Damn. Yeah, that's another Walt quote. <laughs> Somebody needs to write a book of misquoted Walt stuff. It's just like <laughs> I would read the hell out of that book. <laughs> so you are you're putting Indiana Jones in two parks, right? Uh, I am one on a much ma- much more major scale than the other. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how much did we pay George for the rights? It's fair. It's fair. fair. I don't want to cut you off any more than I already have. Do that's you it. Have that, that's, I've, okay, I think I've spent. I think I've spent more than enough money at the Magic Kingdom at this point. All right. So I I took a again uh, no surprise. I took a different approach here. But what I mean, I think the obvious answer, as I said before, was a villain's land or some sort of fantasy land expansion that I always suggest removing. It's a small world. Uh, another option that we haven't talked about for a while, but again, if if they're looking to make a big play, the other big IP that's out there, it's not Barbie, it's Lord of the Rings. How often have we talked about Lord of the Rings as a viable for, uh, theme park option? And whether that's still on the table for either Disney or Universal, I have no idea. But as an alternative to the Beyond Big Thunder proposal that they've already thrown out there, there is room to do a Lord of the Rings land justice. I am not a Lord of the Rings fan. I'm kind of indifferent towards it. But again, it certainly lends itself to a massive themed land better than a lot of other things that have been kind of thrown out there by uh, by fans. That's one of those world building franchises that just makes sense. So, uh, um, but that wasn't my. Sorry, idea. I, I'm sorry. I, I was gonna say, I, I, my my, I, I need a second to pick my jaw off the floor because you putting uh, Lord of the Rings in the Magic Kingdom even blows IP Ben uh, away. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of I, look I, at I, it. You're you're lucky you're bringing this up on a show where Josh is overseas because he would kill you right now. <laughs> I'm kind of looking at it in the same way of adding the massive Star Wars land to Disneyland that like you put it far enough back. It's kind of in the park, kind of not really. You can get away with it. <laughs> you, are you sure you don't want to just put Middle Earth between Germany and China? That'll work too. Why not? Just have a new country. <laughs> No, so anyway, what I'm what I'm actually doing, uh, I'm removing Storybook Circus, and I mean, originally I started this thought process as a Fantasyland expansion on that side as like a Fantasy Springs type approach, but instead, I want to do a single ride that spans the history of Disney movies, hosted by Mickey Mouse. So I'm I'm totally going classic approach here. It's the great movie ride, but. Uh, in a lot of cases, smaller scale sets and more of them. But I do want some of those bigger movies to have animatronics and full scenes that represent, uh, you know, they represent like the, the bigger movies throughout the years, both live action and animated. But I also want to build it up in a way where you'll have multiple 
montages throughout it where you can consistently refresh it because they're so good at doing that historically to mm-hmm. introduce uh, introduce new movies to it. But there's also a way <laughs> where you can set this up and the ride system is to be determined where you can effectively have space built in ahead of time to add new scenes, mm-hmm. like an additional loop uh, of a track uh, to piecemeal wise add in a new scene. And again, we all know that they won't do it, but it's kind of the nature of this assignment to come up with mm-hmm. ridiculous things. So uh, I mentioned ride system. There's no real obvious choice here. I mean, we, I we say we say trackless for everything. Yeah. But I don't know that you'd be fully taking advantage of it other than if you want to be able to add more things to it, you could. Same with a boat ride. Like you, If you use a boat ride that has that directional pointing that Shanghai Pirates has, you wouldn't really be taking advantage of it. So like, the, thing, the thing I like on a it, trackless ride system like this, though, is it gets you close. That's fair. It, and I think it, this goes back to Pooh's Honey Hunt for you. Like the one thing in the Hempelumpamoozles where it has the uh, the the honey pot that has the hempelumpamoozles in it, you know, swir- circling in and around you. Like you don't normally get that close to things on a Disney dark ride. Whereas right. this ride system lends you to be able to get close enchanted tales of beauty, uh, beauty and the beast. Like there's several scenes in there where you're very close to the, uh, the audio animatronics, uh, as opposed to when you're on a regular dark ride system or even the great movie ride, larger, you know, kind of train cars. If you're in the middle of those uh, rows, you're not close to anything. Uh, if you're on the edge, you're close to one side, but the other side, you're not. So uh, I think it'd be okay to say trackless ride system for something like this to really put you close to the figures in each of these scenes. I think that's the easiest choice. And I mean, the other, the, the issue is something like this is designed to be family friendly. Uh, you need it to be able to have massive capacity. Trackless does have pretty good capacity, as do Omnimovers, as do those boat rides. I yeah. think when and you you kind of talked about this on uh, after your last trip that Ratatouille took advantage of the trackless system, perhaps in ways that we didn't necessarily see it at first. I still maintain that they probably could have done that ride for half the price if they modify the the ride system, but. I, there are things you can do with it that are subtle that aren't necessarily taking advantage of the ride system in the same way that a honey hunt or a mystic manor takes advantage of the ride system. Yeah. Well, I, I think, well, first off you had me with great movie ride uh, on this ride. So <laughs> I'm good with that. Honestly, I think you could do the enchanted tales with bell uh, beauty and the beast, sorry, enchanted tales, beauty and the beast ride layout with this idea easily. Because that ride is broken up into sections of that movie where you could do this where every advancement through the attraction is a new Disney film and a new sequence from that film. And maybe make it longer than than the version that's out there so you can fit a few more things in it. But there's no reason why this ride couldn't start uh, with the Be Our Guest scene from that attraction itself. And then when it moves out into the uh, something there sequence from that ride, that could be uh, Jasmine's castle and it's them singing a whole new world. 
and then they advance on to a sequence from The Little Mermaid, and then it advances on to a sequence from uh, 101 Dalmatians, and it advances on to a sequence sure. from another movie. Uh, use that same layout, use that same timing is the key to that, though, where you're, you're in each of those rooms long enough to tell that part of the story, or you know, they do it built around that song, uh, is, is how that attraction works. And luckily, every Disney film that you probably want to represent in this has musical sequences in it that you could use that with. Right. So I could easily see them saying this concept worked, this layout works, this ride system works. Let's just make this a, you know, instead of an attraction built only around Beauty and the Beast, every time you advance through it, you're at another scene from another Disney classic. So you and, hit and on I, something. I would, I would ride that in a heartbeat. I think that would be a fantastic ride. You hit on something that I, I kind of had. I didn't really know the way to articulate it, but I'll, I'll get into it anyway. The the be the uh, be our guest sequence in the Enchanted Tales of Beauty and the Beast. What they do there, and this is where directional movement of the vehicle is the, is perhaps the most important component of the trackless system in a, in a ride like this, is they steer you away from the center of that room that you're circling around, and then they change the table. Yeah. And you could take that to the next level where, not just, where you're not just going from room to room and that passage from room to room is transitioning from movie to movie, but you could conceivably have multiple movies take place within the same room yeah. simply yeah. by turning you around in a circle would be a way that some of these quick changes are going. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily suggesting that that be done with ridiculously advanced animatronics either. If you're trying to hit highlights of a movie, you can, you can hit those highlights with a couple of, you know, seconds of animation on an animatronic to, to hit that. Well, so I, I'm going to challenge you here that if we're doing this attraction, you do need to do it with ridiculous amounts of advanced <laughs> audio animatronic Oh, yeah, technology. sorry, $3 billion budget. I forgot. Well, but the reason I say that is, again, we're doing this to combat a theme park down the road that, you know, from what we understand, like the Harry Potter attraction is going to recreate that Indominus Rex sequence that we've seen in yeah, the Universal Park overseas, where that creature is coming after you. Like, they're not pulling any punches with the stuff that's going to be in their rides. The the uh, Frankenstein, the, the, the Universal Horror Movie character uh, ride through Frankenstein's castle, from what everything has been said, no screens. It's yeah. going to be all physical sets and, and animatronics. So, yeah, if we're going to build this ride to counter that park, blow me away. Blow me away. I've got a name for it. You want to hear it? Sinner Magique. I like it. Uh, not not like magic, but Sinner Magic. S Y N E R. Looks like synergy. Okay. I like the first one better that you misspoke, <laughs> I, but uh, I, hey. I, 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 I figured that, uh, <laughs> that old, old Bob would like that one. This is uh, his parting gift. I would love to see Sinner Magic again, by, by the way, in person. That was still one of my favorite things ever. To your point on Epic Universe, my understanding as I have watched every Alicia Stella video on this is that that park is opening with 10 rides. Disney has not opened up a castle park or a non-castle park with 10 rides, I believe, with the exception of Disney Sea. So when you you talk about two rides in particular, we were having our Marty called chat where somebody was overly excited about the roller coasters that are going to be at the centerpiece of that park. I don't think that that's going to be like the visual draw much in the mm -hmm. same way that say Hulk and dragon challenge uh, or dueling dragons at the time were the visual draws and islands of adventure, which did obviously miss out of the box. But the best attraction in that park from the get go was Spider-Man mm -hmm. and 
things that you can't physically see from a construction standpoint, those are going to be the ones that are very likely going to be the hits out of the box. And you hit on what I believe are going to be those two hits. Yep. Both the, uh, uh, the Kuka arm monsters ride, as well as it's going to, it's going to be the scoop vehicle, like the Spider-Man transformers. Uh, vehicle, there's been right? some talk. That's a little bit different than that. It's not going to okay. go straight to that scoop, but it's like an advancement off of that scoop. So, uh, but the, the, the the one thing I have heard uh, again a lot to Alicia, I think I think Alicia Sell was the one that that said this uh, and there is patents out some patents out there that it's it's kind of hitting towards a different ride system than the scoop but the the turntable sequence that creates that large character uh, creature chasing after you yeah that's that's in there because that's Makes such sense. a showstopper deal on that Jurassic World ride that uh, that thing is going to be in there no matter what the uh, what the uh, ride vehicle is is gonna be but uh yeah i cannot wait to see that thing in action i can't wait to see something i mean i've seen it with the indominus rex in hollywood and that thing blew me away uh on the jurassic world uh redo of river adventure out there and so uh (laughs) this version of it where you're even closer to it and it's looking at you and it's coming after you and chasing you uh i take my money it's done that and the, the the monster's ride it's all I want to do when that park opens. <laughs> like you talk like, about proximity Orlando, to figures. Period. Yeah. You talk about proximity to figures and Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey yep. is definitely known for that, where it puts you face to face with a dragon in that yeah. attraction and you get closer to that dragon than you do any dinosaur, any other figure uh, anywhere, as far as I know. And it effectively breathes on you. So I imagine that they will probably have similar effects, similar interactions mm-hmm. on on both of those attractions. So that's a I mean, again, we talked about Disney not having the guts to go with non IP rides. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a ballsy thing for Universal to be like, let's build a haunted attraction that has the chance to scare the crap out of kids and the younger audience. But let's do it because it's a great idea and it's yeah. out there. and Nobody's done it before. I'm all in. I, I can't. That is out of anything that's been announced, anything that's coming down the pipeline. That is the thing I am 1000% the most excited for is to go on that attraction. I'm looking forward to just the idea of walking into a new theme park. Yep. I mean, that in itself is is very cool, very intriguing. But yep. uh, I think that's going to wrap up this uh, do, crazy do you think, show. Do you think we uh, got anything passed? Do you think any, are we <laughs> no. good? I don't think any of this shit is going to fly. I think, uh, I mean, that was the assignment though. Come up with the harebrained ideas that when Disney is in a desperate position and they've got a couple of billion dollars burning a hole in their pocket, what will they do? I think that this was a situation that people anticipated perhaps when Islands of Adventure was opening and it never materialized and they're taking a very cautious approach here. I think probably an error, but again, yeah. I'm not the one writing the check. So anyway. I, I, I think I could do it back with Islands of Adventure um, because of the track record leading into that park uh, didn't necessarily uh, cause alarms for Disney, nor should it have. But I think the last... 10 years of what Universal's been doing should have made the hairs on their arms stand yeah, up a little bit more. Yeah, there's enough good there. There's enough, enough good. There. It's not everything's gr- – I mean, you've got some great stuff uh, like the Harry Potter stuff. You've got some great stuff like Fast and the Furious Supercharged. You've got some great <laughs> – what? 
What? Can't say that with a straight face. Sorry. I love that ride. Uh, no, there is enough for them to have gone, like, uh, we got to do something. But it's uh, this is an interesting approach. We'll see if it pays off. But uh, I do want to remind any of the Imagineers that listen to our show, if they like any of these ideas, we can be bought for pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, we there's something just about the history, the legacy we would be giving to the company for one of our ideas to make it into a park uh, would not cost you a lot of money. We 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 uh, we, we, we want to be part of the history of the company. So if you liked any of these ideas, uh, hit us up at utilidors.com. <laughs> uh, we do have other ways of contacting us, and this, that would be in lieu of updating the haunted mansion for the 97th time. Maybe you know, <laughs> come up with some new ideas. Just throwing that out there. But uh, if you do have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled at gmail dot com. And uh, to those Imagineers out there that are listening, of which I'm sure there are thousands, you can send us emails at that address as well. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter slash X under the username at martycalled, or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook dot com slash groups slash Marty called. Uh, we do have a chat in Facebook as well that you can find a link to in that Marty called Facebook group. And that's where I think a lot of our discussions actually take place. That's a multiple times per day we're in there. So that's a good chat to have. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you rated and reviewed the show on iTunes. It helps spread the word on the show and increases our sponsorship income. And uh, Ben, where can we find you online? You can find me on X at backside underscore water. Uh, and Chris Beatty, if you're listening, I love you, buddy. It's uh, Tim's the one who hates you. Uh, I had a very pleasant conversation, but yes. Was it? Anyway. No, I thought you said told him not to f something up. Wasn't? No. Oh yeah. Well, that was. So I've, I've had pleasant conversations with him. I would say the last interaction I had with him was was whispering over his shoulder as he was talking to bosses, saying Zootopia doesn't belong in the Animal Kingdom. So hopefully, I did, I did my part. But anyway, uh, let's see. You can buy shirts and crap from Josh's shop, Utilidors.com. And you can find me on <laughs> two O's extra O for savings. And you can find me on Twitter under the username at Inferno Barge. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Later. to all of our wonderful listeners in the Netherlands. Het better here is film more film off of a lot of stop. We don't think on I can be on a more big I've been lots of great we want in no more big I hold on soothing lecker van la soothing maybe blonde heart to the eagle a lot of glory Ugo can ring in, in the soul can ding in, maybe on the little mauling up on top of the seas, a blue for half the four knees. 
Soaking, stopping, and flapping, tonging, soaping. He were a support door, what does he go do little? Zora roar, ganging, but no more. Weet je wat? Geef me je nummer maar. Kan je volgende week mijn plafond komen witten? Wie spuik? <laughs>